Hello, everyone. Hi, Heather. Hello. Hey. Hey. Okay. Yeah, this is good. Well, um, for those of you who don't know me, um, hey. Good. This is good. We have a running thing happening. This is good. I like it. Um, yeah, my name is Kevin Machado. Um, I've known Travis and just a whole bunch of you, actually, it seems like, for quite a while. And uh, really, it is, it's, it's really cool to be able to be here with you guys. Um, I've known Travis for a long time, and we have stories on each other that we probably won't share unless you ask us very nicely or buy us something. Um, but we have stories on each other. But I, it, it's so cool to be here and um, to just see Trav, right? Like, this is... And, and to see, I mean, the lead team and just all sorts of different people here who are not just, not just living normal, ordinary lives. Like, I remember sitting down with, uh, with Trav in a restaurant, and he was telling us this idea about actually, like, going and doing resurgence. And then he was telling Aaron and I, and we're like, oh, man. And he was kind of, like, playing with some other options and ideas. And we're just like, man, you're crazy. You're, you're totally crazy. You have to do that. Like, you have to do that. You don't know where you're going to get paid? Okay, yeah, that's, that's probably annoying, but um, you probably, I think you should still do it anyways. It was in Red Deer, yeah. And so we sat and we talked, and then Trav would call me. And then this is like, this is actually what, this is what Aaron's grandparents do, where Trav calls me, we're on the phone, and then all of a sudden Aaron pops on the phone, and she's like telling Trav and just telling her, Trav, you need to do this. And I think it's, I'm just realizing now, I'm just going to roll with it. I feel like I'm getting older. I have two kids, three kids. I mean, I'm just going to roll with it. I'm going to be old. I'm going to be two people on the phone telling you, you need to do something crazy because you need to do something crazy. And so looking around this room, um, it's like being, it's, for me, it's almost like being home, like being with our church or being with uh, our small group. Um, uh, I'm a campus pastor at our church, City South Church. Um, and it's, it's amazing. We have so many amazing people, and it's just like Sunday morning where Andrew is up here leading worship for a little bit, a little bit shorter on Sunday mornings when we do it at City South, but it's still, he's up there leading worship, and then we get to come and share the word together, and so, um, so what, uh, what I thought I would share with you guys today is, um, it's about David, and so part of this is just a story of, of some things that we've been going through and as I've been praying, just some stuff that God has laid on my heart for, I mean, for us, for this generation, and um, even for us here on this retreat. So before we get going, um, why don't we just take a moment and pray? Can we do that? Let's pray. So Father God, we come before you today, and um, yeah, Lord, we know that your spirit is here. We pray that we would be awake to sense what you're doing, that we would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying. And Jesus, yeah, we pray that you would use these words. Thank you for, for, for Dave and for, uh, for Ken and for Lena and for Travis and Karis and Andrew and, and all the leading that's been going on. And Father, we pray that you would continue to work. Work through your church, Jesus, through your body that is here today. And so, Lord, we pray that, um, yeah, that we would have soft hearts to hear what you're saying. Amen. Amen. So, um, so yeah. So I was, I was, uh, I was getting ready to come here, and um, 
typically the way that I like to, uh, to write messages is I like to write out every single word. And uh, did you guys get tea or coffee already? Diana should get some. So, that's good. We were actually considering maybe doing, uh, before the session, getting some Pilates going on. We were talking about some Wonder Chair exercises just to get everybody's uh, blood pumping and just getting ready for the, the rest of the afternoon because we get another session after this with Dave and then uh, some time off and then get to come back and worship again. But um, if you'd like to, she's going to get her tea, so never mind about that. That was planned. Don't worry about that. So, um, so okay, in preparation for today, just really praying and seeking God. You know, I, I, I love... I love order. There's pictures I was looking at uh, on my iPad here uh, of my son. I have a, um, a two-and-a-half-year-old son, and I have a five-year-old daughter, and then we have another baby in January. And I was looking at pictures of my son, um, and he was playing with blocks. And so um, I don't know how you guys are when you play with blocks, if you play with blocks. Um, that, sorry, maybe you don't play with blocks. But so he was playing with blocks, and so uh, with all these different colored blocks, everything, usually it's just like a mess, right? It's just a mess of these blocks. But he takes every single block, lines them all up. So we've got like 40 blocks lined up across our living room. And I'm sitting there thinking like, what is wrong with you? Uh, but then I'm like, this is cool. This is very cool because I find I'm the same way. I like things to be in order where there is like, there is a beginning, there's a middle, there is an end, where I can write down everything that I want to say, and I could just put it all my words down, and I don't even have to think or rely on anything else besides what has already been done. But in preparation for today, I didn't feel that I could do that. And it seems like the, most of the other speakers kind of felt the same way, where it's just kind of letting the Spirit lead. And so uh, part of it ties in with our story about David. And so do you guys know David from the Bible? King David, most of you do. Um, so we're going to be looking at this story. Uh, we'll start off in 1 Samuel 16, in verse 12 to 13. And so David, he is, uh, I mean, he's, he's out in the fields, and he's the little brother. He's got seven other brothers, and all of them are, are like, good-looking and big and strong and just amazing. And so he's out in the field, and so Samuel the prophet is coming to anoint a new king. And so he comes, and in verse 12, uh, Samuel is, is there, and so uh, this is what 1 Samuel 16, verse 12 says. So, so Jesse sent for him. So Jesse sent for David, who was out in the field. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes, much like many of the guys here today. And this is, right, ladies? I mean, there's a lot of... Never mind. Uh, so... Uh, with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, This is the one. Anoint him. So as, so as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil. And the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David that day. And then Samuel returned. And so we have this story. So David is there. He gets anointed as king. I mean, imagine this. We're at resurgence. And so Travis or Ken, or Lena, or someone comes up to you, and they anoint you the king of, the next king of resurgence, for example. That this is going to happen, right? The, I mean, and then all of a sudden, it's just like this morning, and like last night, that God just like washes over you, and you're just filled with His Spirit, and it's just this amazing time. And then 
Travis leaves and Ken leaves and, and Diana leaves. Everyone's gone. And then you're wondering, okay, well, I thought I was king. And so we have this story. It goes on. And so if you know the story of David, he goes and he's, uh, he's playing harp for the king. And then all of a sudden Saul is trying to kill him. And so we have this story. We're going to catch up with it in 1 Samuel 21. And so now David is at the point where he knows Saul is trying to kill him. This David, who is supposed to be anointed king, has this great calling, this great blessing, this anointing. All these amazing things happen, and he's running for his life. He's running for his life. The king, right? I mean, they had that crazy moment at resurgence where they laid their hands on him. They're the next king of resurgence. And you're running for your life. And so we see this here that David, he runs and he goes to Gath. And so obviously this would be humbling and this would be humiliating and this would be entirely confusing. Running from everything, the the opposite direction of the way you thought your dreams were supposed to go. And so he gets to Gath in 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 and 12. And if you have scripture, it's great. If not, if you have an iPhone or uh, another type of phone, a device, you can get uh, version, a great Bible app. Just, it's an amazing app. How many of you guys have version? Yeah, it's great. If you don't have it, get it, because it's, it's, it's amazing. So you can check it out there. So let's go there. 1 Samuel 21, verse 10 to 12. It says this, So David escaped from Saul and went to King Achish of Gath. That's probably the, the right pronunciation. But the officers of Achish were unhappy about his being there. Isn't this David the king of the land, they asked? Isn't he the one who people honor and dances and singing with Saul has killed his thousands and David his tens of thousands? David heard these comments and was very afraid what the king might do to him. So he pretended to be insane, scratching on doors and drooling down his beard. And so if we go from that moment, that, research, that moment where you're crowned, like this is this, the prophet Samuel comes to you, lays his hands on you. You're the next king. I mean, this is what you're destined. You're going you're gonna to lead your people. And then you go from being chased, you're running from your, for your life, and you go to some place you think is safe, and then you have to pretend you're insane just so that they don't kill you. That's not entirely ideal. When I'm lining up my blocks, if I go from standing with Samuel to being crowned king, my blocks don't go that way where I end up in front of this king pretending to be insane because I'm scared he's going to kill me. That's, going in the, that's someone else's blocks that have made a mess entirely of my plan. And so we have this story. And so here's, here's, where, here's where, we, uh, where we really get to the, the heart of the matter. A little bit further there, 1 Samuel 22, verses 1 to 2. David is in the cave. And this is what we're talking about today, from the cave. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Soon his brothers and all other relatives joined him there. Then others began coming, men who were in trouble or in debt or who were discontented, until David was the captain of about 400 men. So we go from this moment, this crazy resurgence moment, where God is speaking, we're crowned king, and then we're on the run. We're running for our lives. We're pretending to be insane just so that we survive another day. And we end up in this cave with these fugitives, with People who are not probably the best. If you're talking about king and the king's guard and all these people who are supposed to be with the king, you probably don't picture these people in this cave. And yet this is where David is. I mean, have you ever felt like that? 
Have you ever felt like that, where God has given you something? Where God, maybe years ago, has spoken a dream into your heart, where he said, this, this is here, we're at this block, and I want to show you this red block way at the end. This is who you're called to be. And then all of a sudden, you get going down the path, and you're going into different directions, and you're in this cave, and you're surrounded in this atmosphere, and you're like, what am I doing here? I've, I've missed God. I've entirely lost everything. This isn't somewhere along the way I have lost God. And so we can sit in this cave, in this cave of depression, of loneliness, of being lost, and without hope, without a dream, and we're sitting there, and we're saying, why? Much like David would say, why? I mean, have you been there? I know I have been there, and there's few of you here who've been there with me, where we would sit in this cave, and we would say to each other, why? Where have we gone? I can remember moments. I can remember sitting in my car and talking with friends like Travis, and just talking and talking to people that we admire like Ken and Lena, and just saying, this is what we feel in our hearts, but this is where we're at. If I'm talking about math, this is not two plus two equals four. This is like 2 plus 2 equals negative 163. Like, this is completely absurd. Something doesn't line up here. And yet, there's a hope. I mean, I, I, so, um, part of all of this has been birthed. There's been a lot of stuff kind of going on within our friends and within our community, I'm sure. Uh, just a lot of stuff been going on. And so, when, we, when we're faced with these moments where we're in this cave where God has said, this is who you are that you are going to be a leader, that you're going to lead people to Jesus, that you're going to see all of these amazing things, and you're sitting there in this cave where everything seems hopeless, what happens? What's going to happen? And I've been confronted with that even just recently with a lot of people saying, there, this is a cave. Where we're at right now, this, is just, this just isn't what God has, had planned. This is not anything. This is terrible. And so what do we say in that moment? Where are we led to in that moment? I remember I was sitting in a room two weeks ago with uh, a bunch of friends. And so we're sitting there. One of my friends, his wife had passed away a month before that. My other friend, his wife uh, has brain tumor, and then his daughter was just diagnosed with leukemia. And we're sitting in this room as a bunch of guys, and we're looking at the path. And we're like, God, this, this doesn't make sense. If, if you have a plan for these people... How has it led here to this cave? And so we sit and we sat around and um, we're talking and we're praying. And so we're going around and a lot of us are just sitting there and we're praying. And um, one of the things I think it's great to do when people are going through difficult stuff is to not always have the answers. If you feel like you need to have the answers, please don't say anything. Sometimes you just need to sit there. And so we're sitting there, and then we're going around, and a lot of, we're sitting there in this moment with these guys and other people in our circle, and they're saying, I can't believe God, I can't believe God is doing this to you. I can't believe, where is God in this? And these are just, these are, friend, these are other Christian friends of mine, and we're sitting there, and we're just waiting, and then we're going around, we get to my other friend, and he's like, one of the guys who, his wife had just passed away, and he's like, what else is there? I mean, if you can't sit here and believe that there is hope, what else is If you can't see somehow that God is still involved from the beginning of where he called me and my wife and my family to where I stand now, 
then how big is your God? How big is your God if you can't sit in this cave where everything is falling apart and you're saying, God, I am not the king. I haven't done what you've asked of me and this is not you. I don't even think you're real anymore. If you're sitting there in that cave, how big is your God? How big is your, is your God just this small God where something falls apart and you say, I've discarded this God. I will now trust in myself. I will trust in everything that I can see because this is all that I have. Or is your God greater? Because I'm sitting there and I'm seeing, I'm seeing our different versions of God. And I'm sitting there and I'm looking at my heart and saying, God, my heart breaks, but God, I have to trust you. And I'm sitting there listening to my friends and they're saying, I, it's funny, I've, I've talked with some of these friends, and they're like, you know what's funny is people come to me, and they want to console me. They want to come and bring me all of this good, nice feelings, and yet they say, what ends up happening is I have to, con- I have to console them. I have to counsel them, because they're saying, God, how could you? And they're standing there saying, God is greater. I don't know. I don't understand everything. I don't understand why the blocks don't line up entirely correctly and straight the way I would have done it. But I have to trust God because no matter what happens, He is God. And do we believe that? That no matter what happens, as we sit as David did, being anointed king, walking this path and this journey, pretending to be insane, running from your life, and now stuck in this cave, And here's the thing with being in the cave. He was a commander of 400 people. At this point, he could have been that guy that would have been, you know what? Forget God. Forget this. Forget that dream that he placed in my life. Forget that calling to step out. Forget it. I'm going to make my own way. I have 400 guys here. We're just going to do our own thing. We're going to be this rebel army. We're just going to do it. There was that choice and that option there for David. And so when we're there, when we're in that cave, there's that choice and that option for all of us that we could say, you know what, I, I, I don't know, I don't understand, and I can't even fathom why, but yet I trust. Yet God is good. Yet I have hope. Or will we be the people that say, you know what, I just, I can't. I can't. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to sit in this cave of darkness and just sit here. That's not what God has asked. That's not what we see David doing. We see there's a psalm in Psalm 142 where David is is talking from this moment and this experience. And so it says this, Psalm 142, verse 1 to 7. I'm just going to read David's words to you. It says, I cry out to the Lord. I plead for the Lord's mercy. I pour out my complaints before him and tell him all my troubles. When I'm overwhelmed, you alone know the way I should turn. Wherever I go, my enemies have set traps for me. I look for someone to come and help me, but no one gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit what happens to me. So we could see David in those moments, those dark moments. And then he says this. He says, Then I pray to you, O Lord. I say, You are my place of refuge. You are all I really want in life. Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. He cries out to the Lord. He says, you are my place of refuge. This cave that I'm in, these 400 guys who will do whatever I ask them, 
they are not my refuge. My refuge, even here, even now, in this moment, in my darkness, when my blocks are scattered all over the floor, is not my men, is not what I think is keeping me safe. It is God. It is this strength and this hope that I have that will lead me beyond this cave. That I will trust God enough to lead me into that future to which he has called me. See, there's been moments in all of our lives where we've been faced with that. We've been faced with running, running from God. We've been faced with difficult situations. And yet God is there. And I don't say that lightly or flippantly with whatever you're going through, because there are people that are going through very difficult things, even here. But yet God is there. I mean, if you can't see that, you need to surround yourself with other people who can see it for you. I remember being in moments, there was a, a time where actually when my wife came to a retreat here, I believe, and I was at home, I was this angry electrician, and I didn't really trust God anymore, and I wasn't going to do what he wanted me to do. I felt called to be a pastor, and I was like, forget that, I'm going to be an electrician. That's probably what God meant. So, um, so I did that. I went and I, I, I was this miserable, angry, depressed electrician driving this big white van. And I was like, this is, this is what life is. And it was dark. I was in the cave. And I was surrounded with all of these people. And I was surrounded with people telling me, you know what, this is your life. Accept it. This is who you are now. You are Kevin, the electrician. This is your life. Learn to drink a large double-double every day. This will be your salvation. There's people like that. And so we're in this time, in this moment, and you've got to thank God for strong people. And so I was in this moment, and my wife, who is just amazing, right? And so she has always been strong. And so she went out to this retreat. She asked me if I wanted to come, and I was like, no, I don't, I don't do retreats. I'm an electrician. So... Um, <laughs> So I stayed home, and uh, I was just there stewing in my cave, just being like, where is God? This God has left me. I, I can't believe where he's taken me, and just angry. And so she, she goes, and someone prays over her about everything she's going through, and that God has a plan and a purpose through all of this, that the things that she's going through and her family is going through is preparing her for ministry. And so then she calls me on the phone, so excited. And she's like, yay, look, listen, all of these good things. And then me just being who I was in that time, I hung up the phone and I had this shouting match with God for an hour. And I was like, God, I was like, God, leave me alone. I don't, I don't want this anymore. I don't want it. I just don't want it. I, I'm happy in my cave. I'm happy in this darkness. And not, I'm just, I can control this. I can line my blocks up from here. I don't want that. And it had people like my wife, Erin, and I had friends like Travis, where we would get together and, and we'd be going through our own things. And then we would talk about the dreams that we once had. And then I would tell Travis, I'm like, you know what, Travis, like you have to, you have to follow what God is calling you. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm an electrician. Like, forget it. I don't have to do that. Like, you have to do that. And then Trav would tell me, he's like, no, but you, you have to follow what God is saying. And I'd be like, Trav, come on now. I don't need to do that, okay? You do. You can save us all, Trav. 
And yet we realize that through the prayers and through the community of others. And that's why this retreat is so amazing. And we were sitting around yesterday, and it wasn't just simply Dave praying. It was people sitting in the seats next to you. That this is the church, right? That it's not entirely, it doesn't need to just be the front row. It doesn't just need to be these people who pray. It doesn't just need to be lead to me. But it needs to be the church. If we were to go anywhere, if we were to go anywhere further than where we're at right now, it's going to be together, and it's going to be all of us linking arms and moving forward to what God has called each of us as a community, but also as individuals. Because God has a calling on your life. God has called you. I mean, do you believe it? Is it just simply to come to resurgence and and eat french fries and chicken? Is Is that your calling? If it is, I'm sorry. I feel really sorry for you. Because it's not, is your, is your calling to sit in the cave? Is your calling to sit in this depressed cave and say, no one is here, no one cares? And do we stop there with that prayer? Do we stop there with the prayer of David in Psalm 142? Do we stop there? Or do we say, God, I, then I lift my eyes up and then I pray to you that you are my refuge. In you, I trust. In you, I have hope. Because without you, Jesus, I am just in a dark cave. I mean, God has called us. I can look around this room and, and, and I can see people, people that I know very well. And I can say, God has called you. God has called you. Are you willing to step into that? Are you willing to take chances? Are you willing to do things that will make you look like a fool? Are you, or do you just want to be discontent sitting in your cave? Because I think some of us enjoy that. I think some of us enjoy complaining. Some of us enjoy giving all the reasons for why not. Say, you know what, this is, do you know what happened to my family? Do you know who my parents, do you know what I did two years ago? These are all the reasons why this disqualifies me. Do you know the type of pain that I'm in? I mean, and then God says, I know, I know, I know the type of pain you're in, and I'm still calling you. See, God just doesn't call clean, perfect people, because if he did, none of us, none of us, nobody would be capable to lead. When you look around, and everyone has a story. I could tell you my story of being of being depressed, grumpy electrician guy. And I'm sure you have your own stories. Maybe not electrician, depressed, and guy, but something else, right? You all have your stories. And that's the thing, is that we honor those stories, and we believe that through those stories that God can do great things. The cool thing about this, when David was in the cave with all these guys... They, again, they could have gone one way where they're, they're going to be this rebel army and just like totally destroy and make just a mockery of God's name and just totally tear down Israel. But they went in this other direction. And so those guys that David was with, I'm not sure if you know, but in Second Samuel 23, in 13 to 17, it starts talking about these guys. And it starts saying that there were the three. I mean, there are these mighty warriors, and there were these three guys who were particularly mighty. And they were with David in the cave. And there was this time where David was thirsty for this drink. And so these guys broke through the enemy lines, and they came, and they got David a drink from the well, and they brought it back. And they're like, this is, we believe in you, in your dream, and these are the, these are the mighty people who are with you in your time of darkness. And, and you know what? They need you to help lead them out. 
I think lots of times we can get so consumed with our own darkness or our own cave that we forget the fact that there's 400 other people. That this is great. It's great to receive and learn so much for yourself and go home and fill your notebook up with, this is how I'm going to be different. The fact of the matter is you're, you're a leader. I mean, you have so much to give. Like, you, you are a leader. And so you need to begin to step out and start calling out things in other people. You still may be half-depressed, angry, driving a minivan now, an electrical minivan, but you can start calling things out of people because that's what God has called of you. God has called you, and it's not just light. Here's the thing. You can't just, you can't just forget it. You can't. God won't let you forget it. God won't let you forget it. And hopefully he'll bring people around you who won't let you forget it. Annoying people like Travis who won't let you forget it. Because you can't forget it. Because your calling is more than just you. There's 400 people in that cave with you. There's a nation beyond that that you need to lead. lead. And there is descendants that the Messiah comes through the, the line of David. You can't You can't run. Don't run. Don't run. So I think what I'm going to do is, is this. Um, again, I just, I love what Lena was talking about today, about prayer, because we, we sit around in our, uh, we have a small group that meets in our home, and we were meeting the other day, I know half the stuff I've told you guys I've been telling to different people separately throughout the weekend already. But we were sitting there the other day, and uh, yeah, I think I was telling Mark and you guys that we were sitting there, and uh, we were talking about prayer. And I think lots of times when we talk about prayer, it's like someone might, one person might raise their hand and say, like, pray for my uncle's cat. I don't know what's wrong with it. It's mean. <laughs> so, yeah, please pray for that cat. But we were sitting around, and uh, this couple who has been with us has kind of journeyed through faith. Like, they've come to faith when we were reading the book of Isaiah. And then they came, they really understood God's love when we read Song of Solomon together, just reading the Bible together. And so every week they come with these prayer requests. And they were just talking, saying, you know what, it, it, it's so, I, I feel so bad, but they're telling us all these stories of how things we've been praying for has actually begun to change. Like that family is getting reconciled and that just their lives are entirely different and that they're beginning to be healthy in ways that they were never healthy before. And they're like, I feel so silly, but I just want to ask for prayer all the time because prayer works. And then all the Christians who are sitting there for like, who've been Christians for like 10 years have been like, oh yeah, totally, prayer works. Yeah, no, I believe that. Yeah, I could have told you that because I've learned that 500 times from different messages. But prayer works. So here's what I'd like to do. Um, I'd like for you guys, first of all, to, to really consider, prayerfully consider, what is it that God has called you to, as we did already. And take those things that you even wrote down when Lena was talking, and pray over those things. And you know what? Maybe you're in a moment, and you're like, when you think about that, all you think about is the cave. That's all you can see right now. And you know what? I'm not going to say that's bad because there was a long time where all I could see was the cave. That I, there were things that God spoke that I just couldn't hear anymore. So if that's you, I, I, I pray that you would just begin to pray and speak out and say, God, 
pray, pray Psalm 142. You could just do that. Say, I'm in this despair. I'll lay out my complaints before God, and yet I know that you are still my hope. That I can still trust you, even though right now makes absolutely no sense. Where I can go, I can turn to the left, to the right, to the front, and to the back, and everyone I speak to will say, forsake God. Just curse God and die. And yet may you be the one who says, no, I can never do that. I will cling to my God because he is my only way forward. So if you're in the cave and you can't see a way out, cling to God. And so what I'm going to do is this is what we do often at church. Um, If you're here and you are in the cave, you're in a moment of you can't see a way out, I'd invite you to just raise your hand if you're here. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. So if you're here in the cave, I'd invite you, raise your hand. And if you're here, if you're a part of the church, the body of Christ, I'd invite you to surround those people and to pray for them. Is that okay? We'll do that. We'll take a few minutes and we'll do that. So if you have your hand raised... We'll take a few minutes. Is that okay? Yeah, we'll take a few minutes. Okay, and we'll do that. And so if there are people here with the... And so let no one be alone. If someone has a... Remember that we need to surround each other as the body of Christ. And so if you want to share what it is, share. If you don't, if you prefer, just, just sit there and let people pray over you. Let people speak hope where maybe you can't see hope. But let's do this. Let's be the church now.